Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home on 101.5 Word FM. And now here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Greetings, good afternoon. If you're riding home right now, put your sunglasses on. It feels like it's been a month since the sun has shined for this extended amount of time. It's so wonderful. It's gorgeous. Absolutely beautiful. absolutely love it. We salute you, son. Happy National Strawberry Day to you, John. Why is it National Strawberry Day today? You would think it would be... How am I going to know the answer to that? Well, you would think it would be around harvest time, right? Whenever strawberries are at their peak, so we're all enjoying the, the beautiful bounty of strawberries, not somewhere... But now you're, now you're objecting to the calendar? I am a little upset about it. I mean, that. I don't have any I just, control over that. I'm so just it's the, trying to be nice. But you would think, think the strawberry it. lobby would have just taken that into consideration. Is There's there got to be a strawberry lobby? I'm sure there is. There's a lobby for everything. Maybe this is people who anticipate the gloriousness of the strawberry when it arrives in two months. The futurists. Maybe. The strawberry futurists. No, it's the optimists. Maybe it's the people who work at Smuckers. Maybe it's the people that work at Eaton Park and make the pies. Oh, let's hope not. Do you know that May is the Maryberry month of May, of course, at Eaton yes. Park? Mm-hmm. And, of course, I go and indulge as often as I possibly can. But it's National Strawberry Day. Wait, so when you go to Eaton Park, you're having what? Strawberries? I don't like the strawberry pie. Uh, what? No. Say I that again? I don't. I don't Come like again, the- Nick? Happy Evans about <laughs> your Eaton Park pie. I don't. I got to be honest with you. I don't like the strawberry Neither do pie. Neither uh, However, there are many other ways you can enjoy a strawberry. Oh. Like- How about just some strawberries in a bowl? Isn't that delicious? When you were a kid, did you do strawberries in a bowl with sugar and milk? Yes. Yeah. Or what about strawberries in the same bowl with the same milk and the same sugar, but with a banana in there, too? Oh. <laughs> Holy <laughs> smokes. What about strawberry shortcake? Oh, I'll take that happily. I mm-hmm. love. Yeah. That could be king. What about just plain old strawberry ice cream? Oh, I love that. Don't you? Fresh strawberry ice cream? Oh, please. You know what I think is underrated? Tell me. Neapolitan. I despise. I love it. I despise. I love it. Maybe if you're seven. I like it. Okay? If you're seven years old. I do. I like it so much. No, no. Because here's the deal. Chocolate, vanilla, strawberry. Yeah. Always, at least in my family, there was someone who was a chocolate lover. They sort of carved the niche out of that. Someone had the strawberry. Well, you can't tolerate people like that. Well, you know, it was a large family, yeah. so everybody took some, you know, their own territory. You can't. You, you have the beauty of the Neapolitan is it's allowing you three different taste mm-hmm. treats that yeah. you're supposed to enjoy together. It feels like cheating. It's not satisfying either way. Why? Because you're trying to get too much. No, just because it's a little bit of each. So it's not the I full love flavor. Okay, I'm, we're going to obviously have to have New Mike break the tie. New Mike, do you say yes or no to Neapolitan? Don't mess this up. I give two Neapolitans. I give Neapolitan two thumbs up. Yes, he does. Okay. I about, love Neapolitan. How about Spumoni? No. Uh, I don't like maraschino cherries. I do. No, I don't. I love them That's a lot. Awesome. I have a hard time with really? that. Really? Yeah. No, I don't like Spumoni, but I like maraschino cherries. Well, there are maraschino cherries in Spumoni, aren't yeah, there? Yeah, but there's also a lot of other oh. things in Spumoni. Oh, so you'll just eat around it? No, I'll just eat it. <laughs> <laughs> Say it. All right. Okay. Okay. Um, did you hear? This is a really cool story. Um, I'm reading from Fox News that an extremely rare copy of the Declaration of Independence that was, wait for it, hidden behind wallpaper. <laughs> wait, why? Why was it hidden behind wallpaper? To protect it from ransacking Civil War troops mm. has surfaced. Whoa, I love this Isn't story. Isn't that amazing? Tell me. The Washington Post reports that the copy, which is one of only 51 
known to exist, resurfaced last month after its purchase by billionaire David Rubenstein, who's co-founder of the private equity firm, the Carlyle Group. What? Yep. So what's the backstory? Whose cabin well, was this in well, for how long? Okay, so the calfskin copy is one of two calfskin. that were given to founding father James Madison by Congress in 1824, right? Now, Madison likely had this copy, gave it to his nephew, whose name was Robert. Um, the document wasn't part of Madison's estate when he died, so he must have given it away while he was still alive, right? But by the time of the Civil War, Robert, who was uh, James Madison's son, was in possession of this copy of the Declaration of Independence. He was a doctor who served in the Confederate Army, Army, and he was a physician to Robert E. Lee. And he was concerned that ransacking troops would destroy the document. And so the doctor's wife hid the copy behind wallpaper at the family's home in Lexington, Virginia. Nice. Isn't that amazing? So it survived the war, had a little moisture damage, but it remained in the Madison family. And the Washington Post reports that Madison's descendant, whose name is Michael O'Mara, found the copy when he was going through family papers. Can you imagine la, you're going la, through la. family, like, like a couple photographs here and there, yeah. a couple little like, certificate. love notes, and then you come across the Declaration of Independence. Holy smokes. Yeah. Um, Okay, so the declaration is in a broken frame, okay, and it had been in a cardboard box in this house outside of Houston for 10 years prior to its rediscovery, okay? So it's been in a bunch of different places. It was on somebody's mantle for a while. It was stored in a bedroom closet. So they didn't find it recently behind the wallpaper. It had just been hidden behind the wallpaper for that time, subsequently removed, removed and then stored in a bunch of horrible places for all these years. Because it was in a frame, so that would be a dead giveaway if you're looking at the wall wallpaper and you see a frame, you go, oh, there's something there. You think. <laughs> now, here's the deal. What's it look like that it's on calfskin? It's like a special commemorative edition. Cool. Well, so that, it's not well, an original. It's well, not an original declaration. Maybe they were all on souvenir. No. How do we so. know what the original well, it wasn't on paper as we know paper? No, it's probably it some paper. sort of parchment or right. No, it wasn't on calfskin. That was a, a special souvenir. edition. Well, how do you know that? What well, says 1826? You said that Congress gave this. To James Madison, right? But it was, but it doesn't mean that it was made in 1824. It was probably made in 1776. No, no, no. Why do I, you I know? You don't know that. This is like a commemorative edition. You this don't is not, know. Well, I don't. But okay, I'm listen. Assuming. The Declaration is one of around 200 that were. Okay, you were right. Thank you. Gosh, I hate that. The Declaration is one of around 200 that were made in the early 19th century amid concerns about the original. One, in 1776 document and its condition. Mm. So in 1820, Secretary of State John Quincy Adams commissioned a printer to make an exact copy of the declaration. Hmm. And uh, it, was sub- it was subsequently engraved on a copper plate and printed on calfskin. So how many of those copies were made? 100? There were 200. So and were they now are? there are only 51 that are known to exist. So it's pretty good to to assume that when a billionaire buys your copy of the Declaration of Independence, some serious money changed hands. Yeah. There, I don't see any indication in this article on how much money was actually exchanged to purchase this. Mm-hmm. But that is – I really – and you know what's even more fascinating hmm. is that the original still exists. Oh, yeah. So it, it, in 1824, John Quincy Adams was concerned that the declaration would somehow fade right. or wouldn't be preserved or something would happen to it. it. And so we have to make these copies. And now all these years later, yep. we still have it. Have you been to uh, Independence Hall? No. Oh. No, and I feel badly about it. Is it is well worth a trip. I've been there a couple of times. You're at, 
you actually, and you can't go in the room, but I mean, you can see the room where the declaration was signed. It's, it's incredible. I'd love to do that. Yeah. How about the ride home field trip? Love to. Mike, could you work that out? We go see the Liberty Bell. I want it. I right? like to we see go that. to the Philadelphia Art Museum mm-hmm. where the Rocky statue is. I took a bunch of school kids there, the uh, Philadelphia Art Museum. You and know, they, they'd never seen Rocky and didn't know what it was. No, they did. Okay. No. And you know, so at the very to- top of Rocky runs yeah, around. Yeah. So they had that statue there, which has since been moved. So we, we, you run up the steps like, of course, Rocky does, and then there's the statue. So all the kids are running around. Some curmudgeon walks by and goes, you kids, you should go inside the museum and see the art. This is nothing outside. Everybody just kind of bowed their head. So thank you, sir. It was art shaming. Yeah, art. Which is kind of what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about a lot of shaming, Christian not just shaming. art shaming. It's my segue. Good. Hit it. All right. Is that all we got? Yeah, that's all we got. Okay. Hit it. Hit it, she says. Guys, fire up the band. We'll be back in a few minutes. we got a lot ahead today. We're going to talk about Mike Pence, Tim Tebow, Tony Dungeon have all been Christian shamed. Have they? What does that mean? 101.5 WORD. A strong marriage involves small, intentional, positive choices made each day. On the next Focus on the Family, Josh McDowell shares secrets from his lifelong marriage about the importance of making God a priority, loving and accepting who you are, and resolving conflicts quickly. Next time on Focus on the Family. Tonight at 8.30 on 101.5 WORD. The Bitcoin bubble has popped, but the fact is the underlying technology behind Bitcoin and cryptocurrency is the most revolutionary breakthrough since the Internet. Do you remember what happened after the Internet bubble? Yeah, now it's a multi-trillion dollar per year industry. This will be no different. And because this bubble has already popped, this is the time to buy low. Investment bankers and wealthy investors are just starting to take this thing seriously. And you should too. A long-term investment in Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, or Ripple could turbocharge your portfolio and change your life. Call Noble Bitcoin to get your free guide to investing in Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies with your IRA and 401k. Just call 800-687-5405 and leave your email on the 24-7 voicemail to get Noble Bitcoin's free guide to investing in Bitcoin with your IRA and 401k. Call 800-687-5405. Leave your name and email on the voicemail and we'll send your report right away. That's 800-687-5405. When wet weather is on the way, keep it dry inside with J&D waterproofing. Water seepage and a sinking foundation can cause major structural damage if left untreated. Joe Belanti and the team at J&D Waterproofing have the experience to correct your water problem with over 72 years in the industry. Call the Tri-State's premier waterproofing company now at 1-800-VERY-DRY for a free estimate and big savings on all waterproofing services for a limited time. J&D Waterproofing, 1-800-VERY-DRY. One company is on a mission to put a million people to work each year. Sounds like a big number, doesn't it? Not to express employment professionals, seeking a skilled labor position, or administrative work. Maybe you're an executive looking for a career that fits. We take pride in connecting the right people with the right company. Express Employment Professionals is on a mission to put a million people to work each year. Let us help. We'll open doors for you. Visit expresspros.com slash Pittsburgh West. Finding a Christian school that meets your students' needs and your high standards is simple. Visit pittsburghchristianschools.net and discover Greater Pittsburgh's best Christian schools, links to their websites, locations, location information, and more. PittsburghChristianSchools.net.
It's one thing to talk to Jesus. It's another thing when Jesus talks to you. It's called mental illness, if I'm not correct. Wait, I'm, no, I'm being... hearing voices. <laughs> My question is, can he talk to Mary Magdalene without his wife in the room? To have ABC maintain a broadcast forum that compared Christianity to mental illness is just wrong. And it's an insult not to me, but to the vast majority of the American people who, like me, cherish their faith. We live in very strange times, 21st century America, where everyone has access, essentially, to a platform, whether it's your Instagram feed, your Facebook feed, and there are those among us who have larger feeds, right? Like Here we are sitting on radio talking about someone else's platform. This is our platform. Now, you can go to a national or an international level where there is this new phenomenon that's been exploding the last 15 or 20 years of um, uh, celebrity television, mm-hmm. right? Uh, celebrity reality television. And it, it, it so spawns its own stars. Right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So The Apprentice, right? I mean, the president became – he was a famous guy to begin that's, with. Well, I think that's one of the main reasons he was elected president. Without because a doubt. so many people knew him from that. Exactly. It made him a megastar. Now, along with that, as the president was involved in this reality TV show, of course, there's other people who come along for the ride, and they become stars as well. Such is the case with a woman. Her name is Omarosa. And Omarosa, she was, um, she was a, a fixture in uh, Chicago television. And she was invited onto the show, and... Through her, well, I would say mostly, to me at least, she's aggressively disagreeable in her opinion about many things. I think it's fair. Okay. But that's her stick. That's who she is as the personality. She was on She was on Apprentice, was fired by Donald Trump in the game. Then she was, because she made such an impact and people liked or disliked her so much, she became a celebrity, was invited on to Celebrity Apprentice, where she was then fired again by the game show host Donald Trump. And then she took a position within the Trump White House for about nine months where she was a deputy director of communications. Oh, she God. left the White House and then she, was she fired joined. There? She was fired from there. She joined. So she was fired by the president essentially three times. She then left the White House and joined another a, a reality TV show called Celebrity Big Brother. And then so recently on Celebrity Big Brother, she was giving the inside scoop or the dirt on what it is to be in the White House, and she started to talk about Vice President Pence when this conversation took place. As bad as y'all think Trump is, you would be worried about Pence. I'm just going to say that. I I know. So everybody that's wishing for impeachment might want to reconsider their life. Absolutely. (laughs) We would be begging for days of Trump back if Pence became president. That's all I'm saying. He's extreme. I'm Christian. I love Jesus. But he thinks Jesus tells him to say things. I'm like, Jesus ain't say that. All right, so that aired on reality television show on CBS, a Celebrity Big Brother. Now then, the talk show, this is, gets very complex, the talk <laughs> show The View, which is a daily show on ABC, has a, uh, a panel of about four or five women, and they, they're just sitting around dishing, mm-hmm. pretty much, so they, they dish. So this came up on The View the other day, and let's play a clip of what was talked about as they talked about Omarosa and Vice President Pence. 
And I think when you have a Mike Pence that now sort of puts this religious veneer on things and calls people values voters, I think we're in a dangerous situation. Look, I'm Catholic, I, I'm a faithful person, but I don't know that I want my vice president um, you well, know, speaking in tongues and having Jesus right. speak Like to I said it. before, I don't know if I want it's that. It's one thing to talk to Jesus. It's another thing when Jesus talks to you. Exactly. Okay, well, that's different. if I'm not correct. But no, I'm, I'm hearing <laughs> voices. You know, Joy, as, it, it, as, 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 a, as a Christian, that's just part, part for the course. You talk to Jesus, Jesus talks back. What concerns me is how long is the conversation with Jesus? But Jesus is Jesus. telling him to say things. I mean, but that's what I'm saying. You know, if you, if you talking to, you know, because I, I asked Jesus Jerry, for a parking space. Can he talk? Can, my question is, can he talk to Mary Magdalene without his wife in the room? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, you know, I, I just think that does when, when everything is, you're, you are saying Jesus is, I think every in the, even in the Bible, it says, do all things in moderation. So anything that is too much is concerning. Do we- okay, now there's a lot of uh, things you could dissect there, especially that last statement. However, so there's the women from The View, and they are essentially voicing opinion as milquetoast as they may be, and poor theology chiming in on the... Uh, how- is the vice president mentally ill or not? Because mm-hmm. apparently he's having a conversation, a relationship with the Lord of the universe, Jesus Christ. Right, which is okay, I guess, if it's short. Right. But not if it goes on for a long so time. So then this is the last segment that, that follows up to that conversation um, from The View just the other day. Also, Megan, we're looking at a, we're looking at Amarosa on this thing. You know, Amarosa is trying to get a book. Every confession, every tear, she cut her teeth doing reality TV shows. So yeah. everything she is saying is this is a chapter in her book. Right. So how seriously are you going to take that? that but is we made it. We turned it into a, a discussion about the criticism of value right. voters in this country, a criticism of Mike Pence and his faith. Jesus speaking to him. You saying that? I think Jesus speaks to me every morning because I'm. But this is a beauty about but, Jesus. We don't have to get mad about it because Jesus is, defends but, himself. Jesus defends himself. Okay, so there it is. I mean, that in many ways is sort of the exclamation point about what goes on today in uh, mainstream media here in this country. So how does that work that, you know, we are Christians and you are subject to poking of fun, ridicule, some would say shaming. You could go to a further extreme, and I don't believe this, some would say persecution, uh, I think all of us have at one time or another seen this kind of thing, whether, you know, it, it, whatever that level of. Right, whether it's us personally or it was we're looking at the Mike Pence story or we're right. looking at a Tim Tebow or we're Tony looking Dungy. at a Tony Dungy or, you know, whoever I think it it's, you know, it's part of just what it is to be a Christian mainstream America today. You're going to get poked fun at or shamed or slapped around one form or another. Well, right now, Bruce, Bruce Ashford joins us. Bruce is the provost, the dean of faculty at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. He he also serves as professor of theology and culture. He wrote a piece called Mike Pence, Tim Tebow, Tony Dungy have all been Christian shamed. And Bruce, uh, thanks for being with us. That was a long introduction to bring you on, but we certainly appreciate your time here with us. John and Kathy, great to be on the show. Thank you. Okay, so when you hear those clips uh, talking about Mike Pence, um, what does it make you think? Well, uh, you know, so on the one hand, you know, the Bible tells us that we're going to get picked on and, and mocked and insulted, and that's par for the course, and we need to embrace it. <clears throat> and so this is not something for us to, to, uh, to not, you know, to sit here and be surprised about. But on the other hand, the problem with it is that these folks are they're not mocking religion all the time per se. What they're saying is 
that it's silly or shameful or bad for your Christianity to be connected with your public life. And this has happened a number of times. It's happened with Mike Pence, that Mike Pence shouldn't pray to Jesus and expect that Jesus would guide him in his public life the way Abraham Lincoln did and James Madison and uh, John Adams and many other presidents. Uh, they've done it to Tony uh, Dungy, uh, uh, mocking him for uh, talking about his Christianity on air with NBC, you know, right after the Super Bowl. Uh, they've mocked uh, Christians for calling our nation to pray in the aftermath of uh, some of the shootings from the past year or two. And uh, there's other big instances, like the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights. I won't go into that unless you want me to. And so they're saying there's something wrong with being Christian in public. And I would have, very mm-hmm. quickly, two responses. One is there's nothing in the world wrong with being Christian in public or Buddhist in public yeah. or, or whatever else it is you are, putting your cards on the table. And number two, the critics, many of whom are secular, uh, you know, atheists, um, they need to know that they're religious, too, in public. They, don't just real, they just don't realize it. And I can follow up on that comment mm-hmm. if you want me to. Yeah, please do. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, I'm, I'll stop you for just a minute because um, there's this uh, divide, this sacred-secular divide, um, which I don't see in my own life. It's certainly not prescribed in the Bible anywhere, but it seems to be drawn more and more boldly uh, in today's America. You see that as well? Yeah, I think so. I do. Um, you know, so you know the interesting thing. So the Bible doesn't define religion in its essence as the worship of a supernatural deity. I mean, at its best, it is that it's the worship of the God of Jesus Christ. But in its essence, religion is the worship of something or someone, no matter what it is. Mm-hmm. Maybe the God of Jesus Christ mm-hmm. or the Allah sure. of Muhammad might be sex or money or power, but something sits on the throne of the heart and organizes our life. Yes serves as kind of the central organizer of our life. And once something is a central organizer of your life, that's faith-based. That's religion. And uh, so, you know, I think it's good to to flip the table sometimes on folks and say, listen, you're religious in public, too. You're busy kicking our God out the front door, but you're also whistling yours in through the back. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? It sure does, right? So everyone's got something that is clear to the heart, which they raise above all other things, which in many ways defines the personality and the worldview and how you live your life. Mm -hmm. Yes? Yes, and so, I mean, and, and why should people have to hide it, or Christians in particular? It's mainly Christians mm-hmm. who they want to hide their faith. It's fine for Muslims to be Muslim in public. It's fine for secular progressives to do their thing in public. But, you know, there's a, a little bit of a, a kind of a resentment of Christianity or a, a sort of a jaundiced eye toward it. And, uh, you know, I just want to say, listen, let people put their cards on the table. So historically, it's fair to say, Bruce, that right that, that Christians, at least since post-World War II America, have been the majority in this country, and vocally so, and we've had our way. So now I think, at least from my perspective, when there is some you know kickback or a little slapping of Christians, especially Christians who are vocal in their faith, well, I, I guess to me that's expected, and, and I get it, and it makes me sad and uncomfortable sometimes, a little angry at other times, but often I just kind of shrug my shoulder and go, that's the world we live in, and everyone's got a right to their own opinion. Yes, and I would also, I, but I would add to that that I think if our public life is going to be what it ought to be, that we need to call these things out. We need to call it out both ways. We need to call it out when Christians want uh, to, to shutter other people's voice in the mm-hmm. public square, who are Muslim or who are secular progressive or, or, or you name it. Um, so it's okay to disagree in public. And that's fine, and actually encourage that. I wish that's what were happening here. I wish Mike Pence were on the show, and they were having a civil discussion and disagreement. Um, so, 
anyway, I think that would help. help yeah, us kind of path yeah forward. and I think you've hit on something important, which is that they wouldn't say that to Mike Pence because they have yeah. some they have some level of manners. Right. But we can say anything about somebody in public life because it's like we take away their humanity by virtue of their fame um, and their notoriety. And so we can say anything we want about them or tweet whatever we want to tweet about them, things that we would never say to them. And uh, yeah, you know, and and to put the finger back on those of us who are more ordinary citizens than the uh, than the you know the celebrities on on these shows yes. and these and politicians, we tend to do the same thing when we get on social media. You know, for whatever reason, we will say things, unbelievably bad things that we would never say to a person if they were if we were in the room with them. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've got we've got to find find a way to turn this uh, mm-hmm. ship around here in our country. And I hope that Christians will kind of uh, stand there in the moment. And show how it is that we can do that. See, what my problem is, is that oftentimes when people speak out about Jesus in public, is that they often sort of shoot themselves in the foot, where I'm praising Jesus on one hand, and then I'm acting contrary for all the world to see. And so there's the disconnect. So then all of a sudden, we, when I say we, the body of Christ in a 21st century vein, when we become the hypocrites, we're the easy people to sort of go, look, you're a bunch of frauds, you're a bunch of fakes, you're a bunch of phonies. And I'm not saying that's true, but, you know, it's sort of like we're all lumped into this together, and so we all suffer together. Yeah, that's a a fantastic point. We deserve a lot of what we get in return. Uh, I think it's Tim Keller who who says it. I think it's him who says it well. He always says it well. <laughs> that uh, we we've got to have this um, Jesus-like combination of truth and grace. So when we speak in public about public items, public matters, um, truth without grace makes us a, a kind of a political jerk or a bully, and grace without without truth makes us kind of a wimp or a non-entity. Mm-hmm. But it's this combination of truth and grace that allows us to. Um, that our that our words and our tone are shaped um, by the message of Christ, and uh, and that keeps us from being the sort of hypocritical Christians or the Christians that shoot ourselves in the foot, like you're talking about. And you're right; a lot of the nasty stuff that's happening right now in our country, this in our sort of toxic public discourse, a lot of it comes from Christians. We're talking to Dr. Bruce Ashford, provost and dean of faculty at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary, where he also serves as professor of theology and culture. Bruce, I want to go back to something you said a few minutes ago. Um, It reminded me of a quote that I saw online, and the quote is this. Being taught to avoid talking about politics and religion has led to a lack of understanding of politics and religion. But all along, what we should have been taught was how to have a civil conversation about a difficult topic. Okay, so wait. So you're saying yeah. like, that's the old sort of uh, yeah, di- the old dinner thing party is, thing. You, you should never talk about politics and religion. But the problem is because we encouraged each other to do that for so long, we don't have understanding when it comes to issues of politics and religion. So point. all we do is have horrible conversations online, not human to human, but online, you know, uh, kind of, um, you know, my tribe against your tribe right. instead of because we never learned all along how to have a difficult conversation about a difficult topic. So because we don't speak about it, when we do speak about it, we don't do it well. And so that creates bad feelings and confusion and resentment amongst those who would be willing to tell the truth. Yeah, Bruce, what do you what do you think about that? Yeah, you know, you nailed it. I'm not sure I could state it any 
better than that. It's exactly what's happened. We've been taught that we should hide our religion behind our back. Don't talk about religion or politics in public, and certainly not both of them at the same time, which is what I do, <laughs> is talk about both of them at the same time. That's what I write on and what I do. So, yeah. you know, watch out. So we haven't learned how to do it. And you're exactly right. What's happening now is, um, you know, what we have is we have Twitter storms and we've got a situation where people on the right tend to categorize everyone in the left by the worst characteristics of the left, mm-hmm. in the same way from the left back to the right. And then we just dismiss each other as human beings, as thoroughly morally reprehensible people in whom nothing good could be found, right. kind of cursing and insult each other. And we have got to find a way forward. And I think this is a special moment for the church in America. If Bible-believing Christians can stand there in the moment and speak with this combination of truth and grace and, and sort of elevate above the discourse, um, that'll be, you know, that would be a pretty powerful witness. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. So the it's secular so media, the secular media will sit up and pay attention when someone, you know, who is a a holy celebrity, and I, I'll talk at the highest level. I mean, you talk about whether, you know, look, the passing of Billy Graham, we all sort of acknowledge that. At least the larger percentage of society would acknowledge that Billy Graham was a strong, holy man. So whether it's Billy Graham or the Pope or the Dalai Lama, from a secular perspective, they would go, oh, there is something special, lifted, and holy about that person. Therefore, we as hosts, we owe that person a measure of grace, which as you and I and Kathy or whoever is just a regular Christian, we don't get because we don't bring that same grace to the table often. Yeah, you're exactly right. You know, I think I've I've spent a a lot of time reflecting on this. Um, Just actually submitted a manuscript, a book coming out in June, June the 1st, Letters to an American Christian, where I'm coaching a college student who's just become a Christian and is a political science major and journalism double major on on how to, to, to combine truth and grace. You know, I've thought about it, and I think a temptation for conservative Christians, like Christians who are Bible-believing Christians, is that sometimes we confuse our confidence in Scripture with our confidence in our own interpretation and application of Scripture to specific policy issues or debates. And we don't carry with us this sense of humility. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, when Jesus you know, looked at the disciples and said, as the Father sent me, so I send you, John yes. twenty twenty one. He actually showed them the holes in his hands and his side. And I think that speaks volumes. He was saying several things. Number one, that you're going to need to speak prophetically like I do. You're going to have to speak some real truth. And you might even get killed for it. You're certainly going to get mocked and, and, and opposed and insulted. Uh, but number two, uh, you, you need to embrace that. And, and you know, if Jesus can... If he could minister, if the cosmic king of the universe could minister as a homeless, itinerant teacher, then then we can stand here in the moment, in the public square, when people mock us and respond with a combination of truth and grace, instead of becoming unhinged. You know, the yes. American way right now is just to become unhinged in public and sort of, uh, you know, lose the Christian virtues that you've been taught your whole life. Does that make sense? It sure does. Bruce, thank you so much. This is a conversation that we have in in like a, a little bit of a different form all the time. Yeah. It seems, and but, but I like the clarity that you bring I, to this. I appreciate it a lot, and, and Bruce, I appreciate the piece that you wrote. Um, I, I saw it on Fox News. I'm going to post it on our Facebook page, The Ride Home with John and Kathy. This has been Dr. Bruce Ashford, Provost and Dean of Faculty at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. Thank you, Bruce. Thank you.
We are endowed by our Creator with certain unalienable rights, among them life. Endowed means it's given to us, not by the government, but by our Creator. Unalienable means it can't be taken away by man. It's a right given to us by God. All that you have done from your birth until now may not matter as much as what you do today. You know, a wise man once said, choosing right over wrong, ethics over convenience, truth over popularity. These are the decisions that measure a man's life. I've said it on this floor many times and I'll say it again. There's never a wrong time to do the right thing. There's a cause greater than self, a cause greater than any group. I believe that this is that cause. Vote for Rick Saccone on March 13th. Paid for by CatholicVote.org, not authorized by any candidate's committee. If you're a mom or dad of a child who struggles, you've searched high and low trying everything you can. From tutors to counselors, specialists to pills, you've tried them all with little success. You need to know there is a program that has helped tens of thousands of kids just like yours. Brain Balance Achievement Centers can make a real difference for your child. Brain Balance is a drug-free solution that deals with the root cause of issues like ADHD, dyslexia, audio processing, and behavioral challenges. Our combination of sensory motor exercises, academic skill building, and a clean eating plan doesn't just mask the issues, but gets to the root of the problem. If your child has trouble making friends, is disruptive in school, or is frustrated to the point of tantrums, now is the time to call Brain Balance Achievement Centers. Learn more at brainbalance.com or call 724-390-9012 today. Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville has everything you need to protect your car or truck all winter long. Say goodbye to winter grind with an extreme detailing to help preserve the life and look of your vehicle. Got a new car? Protect your investment with TST Rust Remedy, the most effective rust control system you'll find anywhere. And spray-on bullet bed liners offer extreme protection tested in the most extreme conditions known to man. Call the Extreme Team now at 412-257-1006 or visit ExtremeTruck.net. 412-257-1006, ExtremeTruck.net. I'm Jeremy Schapp. I have Crohn's disease. The Crohn's and Colitis Foundation of America's Take Steps Walk program is dedicated to raising funds and awareness to combat Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis. To find a walk site near you, visit www.cctakesteps.org. High pressure pushing away tonight, so skies will start out clear early with increasing clouds late and a low of 39 degrees. That'll set up another mild day tomorrow, mostly cloudy with spotty afternoon drizzle and a high of 56. Cloudy tomorrow night, a low of just 43 before more rain arrives on Thursday, becoming steadiest in the afternoon as we head to a high of 52 degrees. I'm AccuWeather meteorologist Steve Travis on 101.5 Word FM. So our last guest was talking about Christian shaming. He wrote mm-hmm. a piece about Mike Pence, Tim Tebow, Tony Dungy have all been Christian shamed. He said this ugly form of bigotry must stop. That was Bruce Ashford. So we've been thinking about this. Um, Isn't it uncomfortable when you hear people in public who are sports figures or who are entertainment stars or politicians, don't you get uncomfortable when you hear them starting to talk about God? 
No, actually, no. Okay, I, I, get, I sort of get excited by okay, it. Okay, that's good. That's good. You're better than I am. Until it goes off the rails. Then I see. That's where I always – and I anticipate that happening. And so I think, oh, no, here we go. Okay, so like in the Super Bowl, were, were you not excited? Hey, that's cool. Jesus just yes, got a shout out. Yes, but of course, as soon as I heard it, I started to worry. But since then, I found out a lot about those guys. They seem consistent. Solid they citizens. seem awesome. They seem fun. They seem like normal people. It was great. I'm just saying that is my reflex. Right. I'm not saying it's a good reflex. I'm saying as soon as I hear somebody in public start to talk about their faith, I think, oh, no. No, I, I, I sort of um, – I, I get what you're saying about that. But I, whenever I see someone who is a, you know, like a so-called faith leader mm-hmm. – who who runs contrary to what I you know what what my opinion is or what I think about faith? That's when I get anxious. Like when oh, okay okay like, give me so, an example. Go ahead, say it. All right. Okay, so at the president's inauguration, I saw Paula White, and I thought, right. oh, no, right. you know. And look, I'm not a fan. That's mm-hmm. the truth. I'm just right. not a fan. It's right. just not that's not me. But I get it that people love her and think she's a fabulous teacher and all that. Mm-hmm. But that's not what I think. Right. So when I see that, I go, oh, oh there no. she is standing next to the president. What's going on there? Right. So that's when I get a little weirded out because mm-hmm. I think, what's going to come Don't out of her mouth? Don't you get weirded out when someone gets up at the Grammys and says, you know, I want to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? No, no, no. You don't, no okay. that's, I'm fine with All that. Right. No. and that, But I'm only if like you know they I want to thank my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and then they go backstage and they're doing lines of coke. That's what I'm that's what I'm afraid of. I'm not saying I have a problem with what they're saying. It's my dread at what we're going to find out. Okay, so I, so you, our listener, you hear this. So do you get uncomfortable when you hear people talk about uh, about their faith in our culture? Like, in- did you get uncomfortable when you heard Mike Pence talk about being a Christian? Did you get uncomfortable when you heard when Tim Tebow used to put the John three sixteen under his eyes when he was a quarterback for uh, University of Florida? No, but I just thought that was kind of weird. Okay, I mean, just only that. To to what end? I mean, you're you're, you're evangelizing, I guess, but I. I, I I wouldn't do so that. So that made you feel weird? Well, like, I hope you wouldn't do that because you're not a quarterback. And if you came into work, that would be. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I don't know. But you thought it was weird for him to do it. Kind of All like right. being a you know football billboard. Okay. But, you know, he's using his All celebrity right. to, you know, profess his faith. Okay, I get that. But he became a target, didn't he? Yes. Okay, so the question for the, for you listeners is do you get uncomfortable or worried or concerned or – or do you like it? Or do you like it when, when you hear people in public start to talk about their faith? And so I, I guess we just want to hear how you feel about it. 800-320-8255. Does it make you squirm? Do you Does get it, angry? Do you, get, do you despair? You know, I go straight to despair. Do you, I just consider the source. I, don't, I, don't, I consider yeah. the source. I mean, but, if it's, I, but what if you don't know the source? That's why I go to despair because I think, oh, no, I've seen this play out so many times. Oh, 800-320-8255. And oftentimes it isn't bad. You, you know, Nick Foles has, has done a tremendous job. Or how about like whenever you see somebody wear like a cross, like a giant cross as a piece of jewelry, which in some ways is the same sort of thing. Right. Like you're whenever, saying something. Right. Like that. when I used to see Madonna wear like rosary oh, beads. Don't and I used even to think, get me that would, that would make me kind of go, eh, Madonna, or you see somebody wearing... That's like a, what it would make you go? Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, but, I was 10 steps down the road further to that is that is appalling. I mean... And it was. It was. Well... And it... Yes, No way. Why? Because you know the character of Madonna. Yes, because if you've listened to her music for eight minutes, the fact that she was walking around with a rosary bead and a cross was horrific. It was a, it was a mock. But what about Bruno Mars? I mean, you know, this is the same thing. You love his music. He does profess faith. Does he? 
He has. Oh, I didn't know that. So when you I've hear that, you kind of go, oh, you know, that's well, pretty yeah, vile music as well. Yeah, no kidding. 800-320-8255. Wait, should we want to go to the phones? We take a break. We take a break. We stick around. Take a break. Okay. So give us a call. we got people on the line if you want to join the conversation. 800-320-8255. When you see public professions of faith. Do you get uncomfortable? By those in sports, media, politics, or whatnot. Do you like it? Does it make you squirm? Does it make you angry? Does it make you sad? Do you want to turn your channel or run away or, you know, go, let's all pray together? I don't know. Stick around. <laughs> Are you still treating unwanted pests in your home with toxic chemicals? Being a parent or pet owner, surely that would concern you, yes? Forget about wasting money on those cheap ultrasonic devices that claim to emit sounds, but don't penetrate walls, furniture or other obstacles. Plug-in Pest Free has been the innovator in electromagnetic pest control technology and for decades we've kept pests out of homes and businesses like yours around the world. Plug-in Pest Free works along the wiring of your home or business, pulse modulating the existing electromagnetic field, reaching deep inside the cavities of your walls, cupboards and other inaccessible areas where conventional methods can't reach. Plug-in Pest Free is maintenance-free and environmentally friendly. So plug in a Pest Free today for long-term cost-effective electronic pest control at gopestfree.com. That's gopestfree.com. Use promo code PEST20 for 20% off and free shipping. Order yours today at gopestfree.com. Don't spray and regret. Plug in and forget. Studies show if you sleep next to someone who snores, you could be losing an hour of sleep every night. I'm Trina Webster, and I don't have that problem anymore. I'm Dan Webster. We're the founders of Z-Quiet. We know how snoring can turn your sweet dreams into a nightmare of shoving, poking, and morning frustration. Not to mention those dreaded trips to the couch in the middle of the night. Snoring was a real problem for us. I tried everything, even surgery, but nothing worked. That's when we developed an amazing solution called Z-Quiet. Z-Quiet is easy to use and works immediately so you can sleep comfortably without making a sound. Just pop it in before you sleep and kick snoring out of bed forever. Millions of people are sleeping better every night thanks to Z-Quiet. So if better sleep is one of your goals, go to GetZQuiet.com. Get $20 off the regular price when you text SLEEP to 246810 or go to com. Text SLEEP. Sleep to 246810 or go to GetZQuiet.com and get $20 off today. Does your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy? Come to Dynavite for help. Order a 90-day supply of Dynavite. Dynavite for life. Pick up two tubes of Doggo Suds. Get the third tube free. Peppermint, tea tree, lavender, Doggo Sud shampoo. Made with all-natural coconut, jojoba, aloe. Great for healthy skin and soft, shiny coats. But no itchy, harsh chemicals. Lather up, rinse away. Try Doggo Suds. Buy two, get one free at Dynavite.com. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Okay, so do you, do you get uncomfortable when you see people talking about faith in our culture, in entertainment or politics or sports? What specifically makes you squirm or get angry or despair? Or do you like mm-hmm. it? When you hear people kind of, because uh, I think it's exciting. When you hear people kind of go, I praise the name of our Lord, you know, Lord and Savior. See, and That's I'm cool. the other extreme where I just think, oh, no, here it goes. I'm not saying it's right. Uh, that's just my reaction. 
It's just my reaction. Yeah. I think I move from hearing it to despair in about half a second. But, you know, context is everything because, you know, I don't want somebody to, you know, jump out of a party cake and then go, Jesus. <laughs> I mean, you know, that kind of freak you out as well. No, but, you know, when the guy hits the home run and comes around Points the to home heaven, play, and that then, bothers me. And that then bothers does the sign me. Because like, he's performing for the camera. No, it's not that he's performing for the camera. I just think it reinforces the idea that God's on the side of the winner. No, I think whenever that guy points to the heavens and, you know, whatever, you know, if he makes a sign of the cross, I look at it as a sign of gratitude. Okay. Okay. So it's all in how you look at it. Yeah. Right. 800-320-8255. What do you think? I mean, ben Roethlisberger does that when he throws a touchdown All pass. the time, right? right? And then the Steeler haters but, go, look at that hypocrite. Right. But then I know something a little bit about his faith journey, a little bit. And so I read that as gratitude. So maybe it's just because it's I'm looking at people I don't know. Yeah. 800-320-8255. Um, Hannah, you're live on the air with Kath and myself. What's your take on all this? Hi, John. Hi, Kathy. Hi. Um, so two things, and one of the things that actually you literally just said about, uh, Kathy, you said you know Ben's faith journey a little bit. Yeah. And, Kathy, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to side with you a little bit on this one. It's just that I hear them say it, and I then I think, especially at the Grammys, they're like, praise God for what I've done, but then I go listen to their music or see – um, or the academies and see their shows or their movies. And I'm like, how can you praise God when that's the art that you're performing? Right. But then I also struggle with it because I think, okay, if this is still the proclamation of the gospel, God's going to be glorified in it anyway, regardless if the person opening their mouth that's good. is quite clearly being dumb about it. So I really struggle with that. But, John, there are some times when I get excited when, like we said, we know their faith journey. And I'm like, wow, there's somebody there who's, even when they screw up, they're going to say, hey, this is how I'm going to deal with it biblically or honorably and jesus still proclaimed so it's kind of a give and take but sometimes i get cringing and i'm like oh no the anticipation what's going to happen next <laughs> right, right and i gotta yeah. I just for me i appreciate I, I, someone actually, being bold who, who, the, what's your name caller oh, hannah hannah, hannah? You, yeah you and i can watch things together right. because we can yeah. <laughs> we can go we can go in instantaneous into an instantaneous despair at the same time <laughs> it is that's what it is it's cringe mode see you you thank you yeah. for for naming it that's what i go to i go to cringe mode seriously whenever mm-hmm. i hear mike pence talk about his faith i go into cringe mode it's not that i don't think mm-hmm. he's sincere it's not that i don't think he means it it's not that i don't think he's a believer it's just i i i am always nervous that the conversation about faith in the public sphere in today's america is going to go the way of that view clip we played but what's the worst I that's going to wh- happen mm-hmm. what's the worst that's going to happen i know it's right because i'd much rather have it be out there than not be out there because that's stupid because we act like nobody believes yeah. anything so, like so god's going to be denied like the glory is not going to be there all for him all i'm saying is that hannah and i are thinking the same thing right. thank you hannah thank you, hannah. <laughs> appreciate that 800-320-8255 when you hear those proclamations of faith does it make you anxious or angry or sad or weirded out or what, what, what's Hannah's phrase? It's, a cringe, it's cringeworthy. Cringeworthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I start to cringe, I do this really weird, nervous thing where I jam my toes down into the ground. I'm always afraid I'm going to get like, you know, like crippled toes that I get so <laughs> cringed up. I'm going to have like toe stroke. Oh, That's all I'm saying. Okay. Can we take a break? Yeah. All right. 800-320-8255. You know, I'm not a genius about money. I love my credit cards, and they love me. 
I was using them as a source of income, and then I got behind in my payments, and creditors were calling. I figured I had a problem, and I didn't know how to deal with it. I heard about Trinity, so I called and talked to a counselor. In half an hour, we worked out a plan. Now I've got one easy monthly payment, a lower interest rate, and I'm getting out of debt. If you're in an endless cycle of paying on credit card balances that never seem to go away, then get ready for a toll-free number that will put you on a path to financial recovery. Trinity will consolidate your accounts, put a stop to late fees and over-limit charges, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. If your debt has you down, we should talk. Call 1-800-936-5496. That's 1-800-936-5496. Call 1-800-936-5496. I'll tell you what, doors, particularly entry doors, have been huge for us this year. Energy Swings Donnie Dara. People have invested in houses in the early 2000s, and a lot of those houses had builder-grade doors in them. And unfortunately, they need new doors, and we are a platinum dealer with an entry door company by the name of Provia, and Provia offers fantastic doors, but to show that they're fantastic, we have an iPad app that we can take a picture of your home, the front door primarily, and actually look at those doors and build the door on the iPad, and you can change the type of color the door is, change the glass style, the shape of the glass, the hardware, everything. The curb appeal is just phenomenal. So entry doors has really been a big thing in the Pittsburgh area. We're really on the cutting edge of that. Right now, get $500 off every entry and patio door this winter, plus a free video doorbell with your purchase and an additional 5% for word listeners only. Visit EnergySwingWindows.com. Jenny had a dream, a dream of joining the national bobsled team. She worked out relentlessly and knew that if she just refused to give up, one day, her dream would come true, and she'd stand triumphantly up on the podium. But when her kids reminded her that she was 52, and she lived in Texas, and maybe she started dreaming this dream a little late in life, she gave up on not giving up. But then she heard how GEICO could save her money on car insurance, so she switched and achieved that dream instead. At Grace Wellness Center, our philosophy is that we are called to thrive. We're always called something bigger, something more. God is calling us, Aki. God is calling us. And you know what? I'm so looking forward to how we'll be able to bless others. I'm going to say this. This show has been such a blessing to me. You know, my wife and kids will only listen to me if my voice is coming out of the radio. <laughs> is that right? That's right. That's awesome. <laughs> I can't Maybe wait. some other people will listen to us. Called to Thrive is right here on Word FM every Saturday at 930. Check us out. Join us. All right, so I think wrapping my feelings up, I think it goes back to this thing that I tweeted. Uh, I saw this quote online last week, and the, the quote says this, being taught to avoid talking about politics and religion has led to a lack of understanding of politics and religion. And what we should have been taught all along was how to have a civil conversation about a difficult topic. So I think I have grown up in a culture that doesn't know how to talk about religion and politics. And so when I hear those two come together, I just go into cringe mode, as Hannah said. And I just can't – I, I'm just always fearing for the worst. When all along I wish – that we all would have been taught as a culture to be able to have a civil conversation about hard things. Well, when you and and to treat each other respectfully, because 
Mike Pence, what he said was respectful. Yeah. Whether you like it or not or think it's crazy or not, you responding by saying it's crazy is not okay. So this skill set you're talking about, this absence of the skill set about talking about politics and or religion, to me, that's a dinnertime skill set. And the mm. dinner time has largely evaporated. That's a good point. So yeah. when, when I was a kid, there were nine of us who sat around the dinner table. And of course, the ball was active. You know, I'm not saying that every night we talked about politics and religion. Mm-hmm. We talked about many ridiculous things. But you learn that elsewhere. You don't learn that at university. You don't learn that in school or in the classroom, although I'm sure you do. But you learn it differently if your family is so engaged and willing to go there and stir the pot and mix things up. And you can fall on your face without being slapped around. You can, you know, engage intellectually and spiritually without fear of being called a a fool or an idiot. And you can disagree in a way that is respectful respectful, and kind, right? right? Right. Your mother and father should teach you that. Right, right. And my so mother, yeah, them. my mother and father did teach me that. And one of the things that I, I laugh, I've said this on the air before, in our last election, uh, four of us lived together in our house, my husband and I and our two girls, <laughs> and three of us voted, and we all voted for somebody different. Yeah, that's exactly what happened in my house. There were three of us who voted, we all voted for somebody different as well. Okay, so there you but go. But it was so, a good conversation right, on the and dinner we're not, table. And we weren't hating we on laughed. each other. And we laughed. And here's the problem. We were also uniform, and when we left that morning on election day, none of us knew who we were voting for. But we all felt good about it. We were like, "Oh, what?" But we were. I felt good about it. But I did. Well, I didn't feel good about not knowing who I was voting for. I was in despair that these were our options. But I didn't argue. I didn't dislike my husband for voting for somebody who was different than who no. I voted for. Did you I, ridicule, didn't, or I did not shame ridicule daughter. my daughter for who she voted for. Right, I didn't right. because I think we had all shared in our generalized despair over the you know the months leading up to the election how we were reasoning through our choice. Right. And those though you know, so I had respect for how my daughter came to her decision. I didn't agree with it because I didn't vote for the same person she did. But I but I had, I had respect for how she got there. So, so I, if they would just – if the women on The View would have afforded a degree of respect to Mike Pence about his viewpoint on his faith, then I think it would just be a better world. And I'm not just picking on those women on The View. I'm saying that's the clip we played earlier. But very few people in social media tend to afford that type of respect to their opponent in any way. Yeah, I agree. But but if you – like look, look. so you know your daughter and your husband's backstory. And so there's a, a deep element of grace there because you know them and you love them. Right. Now, in this headline-worthy clickbait, weird area that we live in the world right now. And who knows what that's going to look like in 5, 10, 20 years. But right now, it's the biggest mouth that wins the wins the victor, right? W- wins the spoils of war, right? It's If we can pronounce it large enough, fast enough, quick enough, with enough force, then that makes sense to a lot of people. Everybody mm-hmm. nods their heads. Right. And so then the argument is kind of like either goes forward or we go, okay, that was good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that guy made perfect sense. Right. And if I say the right quote unquote, right thing, I'll have all sorts of followers who are going to pile up behind me, right? right? Who are just so going to say, you the go, you go, good. you go, you go. And they're going to make me think that somehow I've achieved the capital T truth on this issue. And so I'm just going to feel good about myself and it's going to be an amphetamine. It's going to make me because, feel excited right, about how I'm going to tear down numbers, my opponent. Right? right. So your your Twitter number, your Twitter followers, your Facebook family, all that, There is, we look at that and we go, oh, then if they right, have person, all those numbers, yeah, then right. I must have respect for them exactly. because apparently person, they've got the truth. Right. And that person's got a platform and those people are buying in. So you but know, a lot I of it's listen to what they, it is. It is. I, it's very hard to communicate well 
in to, in this today's America. It's really hard. It's hard to communicate the truth with clarity. Yeah. But. With grace. Full of grace. Full of truth. But we've got a, a big leg up. I mean, you know, you're following the Lord of the universe. Well, if then, we can't speak truth and love and grace to that, then what are we doing here? Sharing the word that changes the world. 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh, a service of Salem Media Group. With SRN News, I'm Keith Peters in Washington. In keeping with the terms of his plea deal, special counsel Robert Mueller is dropping some 20 charges against former Paul Manafort partner Rick Gates. Those charges include bank fraud and tax fraud. After a 10-day break, members of Congress are returning to work under hefty pressure to respond to demands for more gun laws in the wake of the Parkland, Florida school massacre. But House Majority Whip Steve Scalise, himself a victim of an assassination attempt, says he has a lot of questions about why law enforcement hadn't caught up with the accused gunman in Florida. The FBI had this guy's name on a silver platter, Uh, not just innuendo. And there were a lot of students in that school that said, we think he's going to be a school shooter. He himself said he wanted to be a professional school shooter. Down day on Wall Street as the Dow dropped 299 points to 25,410. This is SRN News. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, driven by Calusi Chevrolet, the nation's oldest Chevrolet dealership. It's that time of the year at the Springhouse in 84. It's Dairy Farm Tour time. That's right. We actually invite classes of school children to our real working dairy farm. The children love feeding the calf, milking the cow, and even seeing where the cows sleep and smelling what they eat. Many children today have never even touched a baby calf, nor have they associated the wonderful cow as the source of the milk that they get from the grocery store. At the Springhouse in 84, we are so committed to teaching children about farming and helping them understand how much the city mouse and the country mouse truly need each other. Call 228-3339 or have your child's teacher set up a date for your child's classroom farm tour and let us share a little of our farm with you at the Springhouse in 84. Spearfishing has or will strike your business, wreaking havoc on your employees, brand, and your bottom line. Spearfishing can't be stopped by traditional email security solutions because messages appear to be legitimate from your boss, a trusted colleague, or a vendor asking you to wire money, confirm login credentials or worse barracuda sentinel is artificial intelligence for real-time spear phishing and cyber fraud defense reclaim your email in minutes with zero impact on network performance visit barracuda.com slash ai i'm pastor bill brainsma of the pittsburgh protestant Reformed church in forest hills we read in john 8 of a heated dispute between jesus and the jewish leaders jesus stated that those who believed in him would never see death The wicked rulers quickly responded by stating that the prophets and Abraham were all dead. Was Jesus greater then than Abraham? Who do you make yourself out to be, Jesus? Jesus' answer to them was simple. Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. The leaders immediately picked up stones to stone Jesus. Why? Because Jesus identified himself as the I am. Jesus is the I am. 
In the Old Testament, God also identified himself to Moses in the burning bush as the I Am. What Jesus meant then is that he is God. This is why the rulers tried to stone him. For information about our church, check out prcpittsburgh.org or call 412-727-6778. Preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things that concern the Lord Jesus Christ. Word FM Discount Shopping Club members get up to half off great deals every day, right from your computer or smartphone. Now with free shipping, like today. Try three months of martial arts training for half the price. Sankusi Martial Arts offers this $180 value for just 90 bucks. Christian-owned Sankusi Martial Arts equips students mentally, physically, and spiritually as they develop discipline and self-control. Log on now to wordfm.com. Keyword shopping. High pressure pushing away tonight, so skies will start out clear early with increasing clouds late and a low of 39 degrees. That'll set up another mild day tomorrow, mostly cloudy with spotty afternoon drizzle and a high of 56. Cloudy tomorrow night, a low of just 43 before more rain arrives on Thursday, becoming steadiest in the afternoon as we head to a high of 52 degrees. I'm AccuWeather meteorologist Steve Travis on 101.5 Word FM. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home on 101.5 Word FM. And now here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Look at these two dogs, Gus and Ruby. And uh, my dog super Ruby, sweet. they're very sweet. My dog Ruby is a, is a sort of cast-off dog from Puerto Rico. It's a long story, but I got her because of a hurricane. And then uh, the dog Ruby was like this... Um, was a uh, an email dog where some friends said, I have two dogs and they're not getting along. Would someone like another dog? And I was like, yeah, I, I would take that. So with these two dogs. So my, my oldest dog, the Ruby from the Puerto Rican dog, she's 14. Is she really? Mm, yeah. Wow. And my Gus, he's 11. So they're getting up there. But they're doing great. They really mm-hmm. are. You know, um, Ruby's kind of blind, a little deaf, but uh, she's always eager to go outside and run around. She has this sort of still puppyish thing about her for some yeah, kind of crazy Yeah, she does. She looks reason. really young. She does. And the Gus, he's just a bruiser, and uh, he's a low rider, but mm-hmm. always he's just a good dog. But I think about these guys, and I think, you know, I saw this article the other day in the, in the Times, and I thought, in, in, talking about aging dogs and the despair mm-hmm. you start to feel when your pets that have been with you for more than a decade – you think, oh, babies, stick around for a while because I, I just love you so much. And it's going to break my heart when you exit. That's the joy and the pain know, of having a pet. It is. Okay, well, don't you worry because I've got the perfect idea for you. I saw I saw that article you posted the other day, and which is why I printed out this um, clip from Variety magazine. Uh, Barbara Streisand apparently had the same feeling about her beloved <laughs> – Dog, like me and Barbara, because so, you have so much in common. Fourteen-year-old uh, Samantha, people, okay, who's a a, a Coton du Tuliar, Crouton dog. I don't know what oh, it yeah. is. It's a white fluffy dog. Did she get that okay. from the pound? Is that a rescue dog? <laughs> probably. Barbara, what's wrong with you? Barbara, probably not. She loved Samantha. Uh, Samantha died in 2017, uh-huh. but before that. Barbara Streisand had cells taken from the mouth and stomach of her dog. Mm. And I'm not even kidding you when I say that the two dogs she has now are clones oh. of beloved Samantha. Like Dolly the sheep, but they're dogs. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, she has these two dogs. Uh, when they came home from 
The I don't know. I, read, I don't have a word. The incubator from the laboratory. Yes, where they were created. Uh, Barbara Streisand dressed one dog in red and one dog in lavender so she could tell them apart because, of course, they looked similar, being clones. The clones. And all. Okay. Uh, and she named one Miss Scarlet and Miss Violet, which are creative Very names. Sweet, yeah. Anyway, um, you can follow. Uh, <laughs> Come on, Scarlet, settle down, would you please? <laughs> you, can follow, hey, you, know you can follow the dogs in Barbara Streisand's Instagram feed. She also has a third dog, which is a distant cousin. Mm. Okay, this freaks me out. The cloning of animals? Oh, it's horrific. It's horrific. I don't have the problem with that, oh, that much. Oh, it's a nightmare. You know, get me How started. How can you not have a problem with that? Because when have you been reading about artificial meat? Like laboratory grown meat. Now that gets me upset. The idea of having like you know a fake pet, uh, no problem. With no, that. it is a that's a fake. Exactly. Who wants a fake pet? How about a dog that God made? Can we just decide that we're well, gonna we're just gonna find a dog that God made? I mean, you could say God made that dog. He made it in a test tube or wherever he made it. The dog is cloned. Yeah. That's creepy. Wonder what that's that costs. so creepy. Uh, can you imagine? No. I don't know. Is anyone else creeped out? By, Mike, are you creeped out by the fact that Barbara Streisand cloned her dog twice? Yeah. Not really. Oh, Thanks, come Mike. on. No, it's not that big of a deal. That's I mean, it's kind of weird, right? It is weird. Yeah. So, L- and- Listen, listen. Okay, let me just say this. Let, let me. Every animal that you have ever had in your life, yeah. do they not have an, a distinct personality? Of course. A distinct look. So that's the a, problem. Something unbelievably unique and beautiful about them. Yes, but so I can't imagine that the cloned animals possess that same personality. No, in fact, she said in this uh, variety They article, may look like the dog. She said, they have different personalities. I'm waiting for them to get older so I can see if they have her, Samantha's, brown eyes and seriousness. Don't it make my brown eyes Oh my gosh, blue. it's a nightmare. Do you know that when she had the photograph taken... Of the dogs, she labeled it "Send in the Clones" because you know she recorded "Send in the Clowns," yeah. which okay. is I can't even stand that, that song. Weird. What's that dog? It's so What's that weird. Dog? What's the singer's name? Come Anthony on. Newley. Uh, Anthony. Yeah, Newley. I think so. Did he sing that too? I I, I associate that with him for song. Stephen Sondheim, terrible song. Yeah, it is, yeah. Okay. You know, you but, are you are not embracing no. the no. beauty. Of creation, the variety of creation. Well, maybe because you think that it's kind of like not creepy that she cloned her dog twice. I think it's becoming; it'll become more and more mainstream. Look, the problem I get with it is we start cloning ourselves, which of course is all you know. It's if you're happen. cloning your dog and yeah. you think it's okay, it's not going to be too far down the road that you're going to be cloning yourself. Yeah. But the, again, I'll go back to the laboratory fake meat. I hate it. When I start to have that, then I get trouble, right? Right here in River City. All right, so yeah, I'll put, I'll put from fake Wendy's, meat in this. Brought to you by Johnson & Johnson. Okay, I'm calling this segment Strange Happenings <laughs> in the Entertainment World. Okay, Strange Happenings in the Entertainment World. Mike, I need you to find me some music uh, that would uh, give us a, a hint on strange happenings okay. in the entertainment world. Okay, so Barbara Streisand has cloned her dog twice, which mm-hmm. I think is extremely weird. Uh, let me say this. You know... Um, in- <laughs> <laughs> I love that phrase. Let me say this. <laughs> You've heard of um, emotional support animals. Oh, okay. Don't don't get going there. Listen, I'm, I'm on it. I'm going to bring a peacock no, no. on the plane. No, right. Or a that was my pig. favorite. The peacock was my favorite. No, how about the potbellied pig? I haven't seen the potbellied pig, but the, the the pig, but the peacock oh, my was ten gracious. out of ten. Emotional support dogs. So if you have an issue, you are allowed by by federal one. regulation that you're allowed to travel with your dog or your hamster right. or whatever this is. 
Wait, is this oh, this is strange happenings in the entertainment industry music? This is like X Files. Yeah, it's exactly. Mulder. It's, it's not like X Files. Oh, it is. Sorry. Like. Thank you, Mike. Uh, Chrissy Teigen. Something, something kind of snappy. Who is a model? Yeah. Uh, she's married to John Legend, uh, carrying uh, his child, and uh, cloned or non? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Non-cloned, as okay. I understand it, hope so. uh, was interested in airplane travel. And you're thinking, I'm going to talk about an emotional support dog or cat that she wanted to bring yeah. on the plane. No, that's actually not what she asked for. But she's a supermodel. She wanted, yes, she wanted to bring an emotional support casserole. Oh, I like that. Who doesn't love an emotional support casserole? I mean, how good is that? Is that tuna noodle casserole? Listen, no, it's not. It's scalloped potatoes. Oh, even better. She actually tweeted this out. Uh, I, if I don't have a carry-on, can I bring a large ceramic casserole dish of scalloped <laughs> potatoes on the plane? I am not kidding. Is this okay? Is it. it too blunt or heavy an object? I'll cry if they throw it away. No, wait a second. So this I'm was- not, I am. This is a true story. Is this in all seriousness? She's not trying to be fun? No. She's being this honest? Is, yes. She's bringing actually... I'm reading an article by Michelle oh, Grant. Heaven help us. For so Fox really. News. Listen, she got the airline's attention because she's Chrissy Teigen. Yeah. And she said, she said, I would like to bring an emotional support casserole on the flight. An emotional support Yeah, casserole. the airline told her that she was welcome to bring an additional bag of food with her on board. Mm-hmm. But she said, no, I don't want to bring a bag of food. I would like a casserole. So okay? did she eat it on the plane? It doesn't say that she ate it on the plane. She brought it just because it felt good. But once, once she got onto uh, the Twitter feed of Ask... TSA, which I did not know was a thing, hmm. TSA responded by saying, it's a good question, Christine. Scalloped potatoes are allowed in carry-on and checked bags. You can place them in a ceramic casserole dish. Hmm. We hope you enjoy. So Chrissy Teigen was so excited about that, she posted the recipe for scalloped potatoes, which include a pound of ham, eight slices of bacon, and an entire stick of butter. That's not that's not scalloped potatoes. After she got on the plane, she tweeted... We made it. What? So, Scalloped potatoes doesn't have listen, bacon. Chrissy Teigen's world, it does. I told you, what is the title of this segment? Strange Happenings in the Entertainment World. Okay, that's very strange. All right, you want to hear my third what, thing that's We got one up? more thing? Come on, it's Strange Happenings in the Entertainment World. I have many things. Oh, my goodness gracious. Okay, uh, Christopher Plummer oh. is nominated for an Academy Award this year, supporting actor for the movie All the Money in the World. Did uh, you see the film? a weird story. No, I did not. This is the Kevin Spacey stand-in Academy Award nomination. So uh, he was nominated, and at age 88, mm-hmm. he is the all-time oldest acting Oscar nominee. Wow. So you did not see the film, John. Uh, no, which doesn't mean I won't see the film. Right, but you have not seen it yet. I have not, no. Okay. So right. he's the oldest person ever to be nominated for an Academy Award at yes, age 88. At, at, uh, yes, but I want to know if you know who held the record prior to him. Okay, I have to admit, um, I, I thought about this. Okay. okay. We talked about this a little earlier. So, but Did I, you look it up or did you just think about it? No, okay. I, I thought about You're it. You're allowed to think about it. So uh, I thought perhaps it may have been the... the um, the Kate Winslet old lady character in the Titanic. That's right. I think that she did win an Academy Award. She was nominated, and I think she may have won the Academy. Award. I don't think she won. Oh, she did. But she—that's the, you're right. I can't believe you guessed that. I would never no, have no, no, even no, no, remembered no, no, no. that this happened. However, oh, um, I do also believe that Christopher Plummer 
himself was also nominated. Maybe there's a difference here. Maybe the difference is um, – Oh, for um, best, best actor. actor. Yes. The, the, the woman who I'm sorry, I, I apologize. Her name is Gloria Stewart. Thank you. Gloria Stewart. So I believe she was the oldest actress nominated. And Christopher Plummer, at the ripe old age of 80, was previously nominated for the Academy Award for actor. So he would have been you know, the age set for that as well. I think you're right about that. That's, that that seems to ring a bell with me. Mm-hmm. I will say I'm looking at an article about uh, Stuart, Gloria Stewart, who starred as Rose Calvert, uh, the 101-year-old survivor of that Kate, Win- Kate Winslet played the younger character right. in Titanic. I'm very impressed that you guessed that. Uh, yeah, thanks. Well, okay. It's, it's minimal. All right. So will you see this movie, uh, what's it called? All the what? All the money in the world. Uh, yeah, sure. Why not? I mean, so that's the movie Kevin Spacey was supposed to be in. And he then, was in it. Oh, he was in it. The filming was complete on the on the movie, complete. And then whenever you know the Kevin Spacey debacle blew up, the producers were like, "Well, we love this movie, and we still want to produce it. We still want to release it." So they went back in with a skeleton crew and recut and restaged all of Kevin Spacey's scenes. No, can you imagine what that cost? No, but. Apparently it worked fine. Uh, I think that I've been reading about this, that Christopher Plummer, for whatever reason, because he plays, I think he plays J. Paul Getty, which which in this movie, he was much, much closer to the real life J. Mm. Paul Getty in style and age. Oh, than Kevin Spacey was. Yes. But for whatever reason, Kevin Spacey won out because I think Christopher Plummer also either auditioned or was considered for the role. But you know how things turn out. And so here it is. Pretty odd. Favorite role Christopher Plummer played? Would you like to vote uh, No, I don't. No. Uh, well, you're saying it's The Sound of Music. Yes. Of course, which he despised. And he 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 was always, that was sort of like a thorn in his side. Don't even most tell of me that. Career. Don't wreck it it's true. me, it's true. John. He worked for long and hard to run away from, what's his name? Captain Von Trapp. Captain Von Trapp, yes, thank you. All right. should never run away from Captain Von Trapp. Well, because the hills are alive. 101.5 WORD. Next time on PowerPoint with Jack Cram. He not only has grace, but power to do what he promised to do. To him be glory. He is in control. So, hope on, believer. Never give up, Christian. Tune in next time for PowerPoint with Jack Cram. PowerPoint, tonight at 9.30 on 101.5 WORD. Obamacare, Trump Care, the Affordable Care Act, COBRA, there's so many choices, but all seem to bring one word to mind, expensive. There are lots of changes happening in healthcare today, but fortunately, I know someone that's been on the forefront of health insurance for years. It's Todd Marley at Marley Financial. Now, Todd and his team of professionals are licensed with virtually every healthcare provider in the country, and they can help to determine which plan is right for you. I mean, if you don't need maternity coverage, you could call Marley Financial. Do you have a pre-existing condition? You could call Marley Financial. Do you want just catastrophic coverage or just accident? Call Marley Financial because they know how to design the plans. Most of their clients save 30 to 60%, which can add up to several thousand dollars a year. So give Todd a chance. Marley Financial, 724-884-1496 or find them online at MarleyFG.com. I'm just so upset. I'm having so much trouble getting to sleep. Only to wake up in the middle of the night, worrying all over again. I'm wearing down. There's no one I trust, no one I can open up to. But I've got to find someone I can talk to. I can't keep going on like this. 
She found help, and so can you. We are Faithful Counseling, the world's largest platform for faith-based professional counseling. Our Christian counselors are all licensed, trained, and experienced, qualified and certified by the state board. But more importantly, we share your Christian values. Available 24-7 by text, messaging, phone, and video conferencing from the comfort of your own home. We'd like to invite you to try your first week free by going to FaithfulCounseling.com and use the invite code word HELP. That's FaithfulCounseling.com and use the invite code word HELP to get your first week free. Faithful Counseling, we're here when you need us. Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville has everything you need to protect your car or truck all winter long. Say goodbye to winter grind with an extreme detailing to help preserve the life and look of your vehicle. Got a new car? Protect your investment with TST Rust Remedy, the most effective rust control system you'll find anywhere. And spray-on bullet bed liners offer extreme protection tested in the most extreme conditions known to man. Call the Extreme Team now at 412-257-1006 or visit ExtremeTruck.net. 412-257-1006, ExtremeTruck.net. One company is on a mission to put a million people to work each year. It sounds like a big number, doesn't it? Not to express employment professionals, seeking a skilled labor position, or administrative work. Maybe you're an executive looking for a career that fits. We take pride in connecting the right people with the right company. Express Employment Professionals is on a mission to put a million people to work each year. Let us help. We'll open doors for you. Visit expresspros.com slash Pittsburgh West. At Salem Media Group, we are looking for sales professionals with a rare blend of talent and skill to be a part of our community. First, you know beyond any doubt that sales is your thing. And while your current situation may not embody this ideal, you are still committed to the consultative process, a sales method that incorporates creativity and partnership deeply rooted in a matchmaker philosophy. Second, you truly are a fanatic about prospecting. You love the hunt. You think about new business all the time and always have your antennas up for leads that make sense. And third, you are what we at Salem Media Group call an appointment procurement professional. That's right. You're skilled and adept at gaining a face-to-face audience with key decision makers to investigate win-win opportunities. If this threefold identity describes you, let's start a conversation. Call me, Mike Howard, General Sales Manager, 412-937-1500. Come again. Did I speak too soon? (laughs) Hey, John Kessler is with us. John's a regular guest on our show monthly. John is the uh, chair and professor, Division of Applied Theology and Church Ministry at Moody Bible Institute, author of the most recent, The Radical Pursuit of Rest. And uh, he's got a brand new workout today. And John, we're happy that you're with us to talk about this. How are you today? I'm glad to be with you guys. Yeah, John, congratulations on the new book. It's called Altogether Different, Unfolding the Church's Unity While Honoring Our Individual Identities. So that's a tall hill you've chosen to climb. (laughs) It truly is, John. That's why it took two of us to write it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so um, I guess the first question to ask is, clearly we can't all get along. And why is that? Well, there are a couple of reasons why we struggle with this. The, the simple answer, is, obviously, is sin is a factor, but I think there's also another more underlying reason, and that has to do with the way culture and identity work. That when we, we think about the way culture works, culture is uh, skewed toward conformity. That's that's really the way you know the way that culture 
functions is it basically tries to get everybody on the same page. Yeah. The way cultural identity works is that we tend to define, our, define ourselves based on our differences. So, you know, I look at I look at you, and we do that as individuals. What, what is it that makes me me? Well, partly it's because I'm not you. <laughs> you know, so so there is this internal dynamic that works toward, first of all, wanting everybody to be the same, and secondly, uh, in order to get the sense of who I am, of sort of differentiating myself or pushing myself away from you. In the church, then, where God has this this agenda, where He is bringing us together with all of these differences, there needs to be something overarching there that holds us all together. Mm-hmm. That is our identity in Christ. Yeah, right. I mean, that's why we're all here, right? right. To to know and love Christ. So we we come to church. I, I'm always shocked to look around at worship on Sunday morning, and you know, um, there is. There's a tightness, I guess. I mean, the church, there's young, certainly, there's old, but there is not a mix of the races. And I think that's always, always, you know, you bring up, well, there's a lack of cultural diversity in the American church. There's no doubt about that. But what I like about it is, of course, you're all there for worship. So no matter where you're coming from, whatever your age or where your cultural diversity or what all that, everyone's in the same place at the same time because you want to love Jesus. And, and I guess is... Does it matter? I mean, does it make a difference that we're not all different, even though we're all coming together for the same thing? Well, it does matter. The differences matter. Let's put it that way. The differences matter because that's part of the way that God has designed us. He, he, it's not like the, uh, if you're a Star Trek fan, it's not like the Borg Collective, you know, where you come into the body of Christ and you and you your individuality and everything that shapes your identity gets absorbed. Right, swallowed up. Right? God, in fact, God created us from the very beginning to be different. When he creates humanity to, be, to reflect his image in this polarity of male and female, and then his agenda, as you, when you come to the end of the book of Revelations, his agenda is you know, to have people of every tribe, tongue, and nation gathered around the throne. And so even here in eternity, it is this one group centered on Jesus Christ and their shared experience of his redemption, and yet at the same time, they reflect, they still reflect some differences, because John can recognize them as that, as being from these different tribes, tongues, and nations. So in that sense, it does matter. It, it certainly matters in terms of our experience, because I can't divest myself of what it is that makes me different from you. But because of those two, the two factors, one, the, the natural tendency for me to want every, everybody to be like me or, mm-hmm. or everything to be like that, and the other, uh, the collateral damage that sin creates, I need both that centering uh, uh, fact of my identity in Christ and I need the grace of God, and then I need some, you know, some basically some practical awareness of what's going on to even function. I think that's one of the biggest challenges is that we're kind of, I think we're kind of naive when it comes to our experience of diversity. What I like to describe it is it's like that 
it's like a Disney ride, you know. Uh, uh, you know it's, it's a small, small world. world there. Right. Yeah, it's like we think we get on it, you know, we figure like, well, you know what, people will dress a little different and, and we'll speak different languages, and we'll, but we'll all be singing the same song. Well, no, actually, we don't even like the same music. Right, right. right. And, and so we're in this weird cultural space, right, John, where we, you know, in our country, we have a history of slavery that yeah. we will never be able to get away from, and we shouldn't because that's who we have been, and it's part of our, our, yeah. our DNA and our legacy. Um, and so trying to ignore that won't work. Um, but we're to a point where now it seems like instead of acknowledging difference between ethnicities, now we kind of have to paper over them and act like there aren't any at all. And it seems like neither we, we're either at one extreme or another. Either we're, right. we're we put a bold face line between the races, which clearly has not worked well for us and has been dehumanizing uh, to hundreds of thousands of people, uh, if not millions. While at the same time, papering over our differences and and, and being afraid to even acknowledge we have any right. is just silly. Well, that's where this. First of all, that's where it's really important to recognize that we're not just containers of a single identity. The reality is that we have multiple identities that are often situational or contextual. You know, like when I'm when I'm talking to my students, I'm a part of my my main identity with them is I am a professor, right? When I when I go home and interact with my wife, I'm uh, a husband and a lover. When I, so uh, you know, and or or I might just be like, you know, I'm, I root for my ball team, whatever my ball team is. We have we have these multiple identities that come to the surface, and then you have this overarching. When it comes to the church, you have this overarching identity that we are one in Christ. It does not erase. The, the other distinctives that make me up. So I really, it's not that I come in, the thing to be a Christian is I come in as a Christian and I just become like neutral or I become, you know, nothing, I become bland. That is, I am, exp- I am expressing the reality of this redeemed experience through the uniqueness of what makes me different from you. But if I don't hold on to that, you know, if I don't choose to subordinate those differences and to recognize how we are bound together, sometimes they will take over so that so that we really can't experience any kind right, of unity. Right, right, right. But I'm not suppressing them. I'm not saying, you know, uh, uh, whatever I am, I, that, that doesn't matter, particularly, you know, when it comes to some of these fundamental, certainly when it comes to the things I can't change about myself, there are differences that are God-given, you know, physiologically based, right? I'm, I was, I was born a male. I'm not, I can't, I'm not going to change that. Some, for some people, their ethnic differences are a matter of their physiology. They can't change that. There, and it's, and it is prominent. And they, and they really can't just sort of push that to the side and say, oh yeah, well I'm, I'm nothing. I, you know, I have no 
color or no or no uh, tradition there. Yes, and, and John, to be honest, I think to be a member and not just a member, but an active member of a good church requires a lot of bravery on people's parts because you know it, it, you're going to meet people. You know, if you're a deacon or an elder, if you're working in the kitchen, whatever it is, you know, your active service work in the church. The people that you meet and you engage with, for the most part, you would never have met anywhere else in life. Right. And you kind of think, right. where did this guy come mm-hmm. from? I mean, he, that's, that's right. a crazy person. Or I dig this guy. That is so cool what he's bringing to the party. It requires a gigantic leap of faith, and there is great courage to do that. So I think, you know, in some ways, to to minimize the negativity of the disparate relationships of the church, but in some ways to lift up the goodness of that, hey, we're showing up. If, you know, if you're part of a church and you're showing up, then you've got to give yourself a pat on the back because it's a, it's a cool and a brave thing that you're doing. Well, the fundamental the fundamental principle is that that the differences these differences add value. That's why they're there, and they're worked into the very uh, the, the spiritual dynamic of the body of Christ. That is, we are diverse. We are many members. We each have different gifts. We each perform different functions, and each one adds value to everyone else. And it's you know it, it, part of our problem is because we are so. Uh, 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 tormented by our difficulties about race. That's the only category that we tend to think of when it comes to cultural identity. In fact, every church is a you know is a kaleidoscope of many many different uh, 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 cultures and I- and identities. One of which is you know they they can be economic, they can be ethnic, they can they can be a matter of. Uh, uh, the kind of music that I really like, or you know, the the hobbies that I'm interested. Every every church is a multiplicity of cultural groups, and uh, that's both you know that's both what adds value, and it's also both what makes it a little bit difficult. Complicated. Uh, John Kessler's with us. The brand new book is called All Together Different: Upholding the Church's Unity While Honoring Our Individual Identities. I'll be putting information up on our Facebook page and at our website, John and Kathy Show dot com. Okay, our time's almost up, John. We're going to have to break this down with you over our next couple sessions at least. But let me ask you this question in closing. So, if we recognize that achieving oneness with people who are different than us, whether it's people who are different than us economically or different racially or different behaviorally or whatever it is, if we are able to still show uh, and display and practice a sense of unity among all of us because we believe in Jesus. Well, how about yesterday's guest? We talked about slavery, right? I mean, that into itself. Right, right, right. If we're able to welcome people into a conversation and be and show that we can we can be one even if we're not the same even if we don't understand each other even if we don't like the same music if we don't talk the same way if, connected what, in any right, way that's what Jesus was talking about right if people will know who I am people will believe me if they see that you're like this it starts you know we we go to practice first because that's where we struggle but it starts with what what i would describe as ontological unity the practice of unity starts with the recognition that we already begin with a real unity by virtue of our being joined to christ and joined to one another the church is one whether it likes it or not the experience of that oneness is the what's the, the the question that we have to answer: What kind of experience are we going to have as we are brought all together, different? And it can be 
in order for that to be an experience that reflects the kind of unity that God wants, that's where we need the reality of God's grace to be worked into our practice. Amen to that. John, thanks an awful lot. We look forward to our future conversations with you about your new work, All Together Different. John Kessler from Moody Bible. This is a special notice to all U.S. taxpayers. If you owe the IRS or state back taxes and cannot afford to pay them back, there's good news. Due to the financial hardship many are facing in today's economy, the IRS has made it easier to settle delinquent tax problems through a federal program called the Fresh Start Initiative. Qualifying for this program will resolve your tax problem, end all collections, and possibly reduce your back taxes by up to 90%. If you are facing wage garnishments, liens, bank levies, audits, or payroll taxes, it's not too late. Your circumstances may qualify you for this special program, protecting your savings and your assets. If you owe the IRS or state back taxes and cannot afford to pay them back, there's no need to worry anymore. Call the hotline at Victory Tax Solutions to see if you qualify and potentially save thousands. For this free information, call 800-420-2121-800-420-2121-800-420-2121-800-420-2121-800-420-2121-800-420-2121-800-420-2121-800-420-2121-800-420-2121-800-420-2121-800-420-2121-800-420-2121-800-420-2121-800-420-2121-800-
the Marlins, Miami Marlins, Oakland A's, Tampa Bay Rays, and your own beloved Pittsburgh Pirates. They were sued because uh, Major League Baseball has an agreement with a revenue share, where they give profits from television and licensing and whatnot, and they split it up among all the different teams. And everybody gets to use that money you know, as a pot for, uh, for other players and right. uh, development and whatnot. Right, but the condition is that they use it for that purpose. Right. So the players' union is asserting that these four teams, which include your beloved Pittsburgh Pirates, are using the money not for said purposes, but for other things other than baseball-related issues, mm-hmm. like buying a newspaper, which the Nutting family has done recently, or building hotels, which they've done recently. So uh, in response, Frank Hoonley, who is the uh, the president of the Pittsburgh Pirates, not uh, and he's not, of course, a, a member of the Nutting family, although they are his chief employer, he said this is just uh, hogwash, that it's all just a, a sideshow by Major League Baseball to force the issue to uh, include that parity happens in Major League Baseball. Now, that, that may or may not be true. I don't know about the politics and you know the backroom dealings, but it's good to see at least the Pirates get slapped a little bit for trading away high-priced players and not investing in the future at all and spending no money in the hopes that you know everyone just shows up at the ballpark, we watch the fireworks, see the Pirates lose, and then go home, which is a drag, which is kind of what I'm looking at again as a Pirate fan this year. Which is exactly what they should have known everyone would think the instant they traded Andrew McCutcheon. But they didn't care. Of course they didn't care, which is why we have all of these angst-filled Pirate fans like you and I. I am. Like you and me. Right, I mean, drives me out of my opening days coming. Mind. I've done drives this thing me out of my mind forever. Look, never, I never. could even get trading coal, but what bothered yeah, me, me so much about the about the McCutcheon trade that I'll say for the tenth time, and I don't care, is that you, as an organization, have to recognize that you need a player that is a bridge between you and your fan base, yeah. and that. Not only was in, I know that he had a, a bad first half, or maybe first third, several. first third of last season, but he had an outstanding second half, second yeah. two thirds, absolutely outstanding. So we're not talking some like run of the mill player. No, we're gosh. talking this was the player that franchise. was going to be the face of your franchise, right? Never, so never. when you trade that player, you are giving up. All of the collateral that you have built up with your goodwill. fan base, all the goodwill, all the relationship, right? That just went out the window. Yeah. And the fact that they didn't recognize that and care for that is what makes me filled with absolute despair looking at the next five, six but see, but baseball seasons. I disagree because I think they did recognize that. I just believe that they thought, well, we've well, got that, a job to do. Great. So that's one business, step worse. In a way. Yeah, so I don't know. Just, Do I go to opening day or not? I don't know. You know. I'm not going to opening day, but I've never gone to opening I've day. I've always so gone to no opening big day. Sacrifice and for with me. my sons. So now what, right. I, I don't want to ruin tradition? your family life. I'm lose, just saying it stinks. Just lose that tradition forever. Why? Yeah, traffic. It is what it is. Missed concerts, football games, lots of cold dinners. And cold shoulders from Cindy. How much longer do I have to do this? Kids miss me. Cindy misses me. Our marriage is missing me. With a financial strategy from Kurt Knodek. There he was on the radio again. Kurt Knodek. Yeah, retire sooner. So I called Kurt. We just talked about life, family. It felt right. Then come to find out, Kurt's personalized retirement planning showed me retirement wasn't as far off as I thought. 
Now the only thing I'm missing is the traffic. Do you need a financial strategy for retirement? Let's talk. Accurate Solutions Group, 412-515-3355. That's 412-515-3355. Investment advisory services offered through Accurate Solutions Group, Inc. Coming to Pittsburgh this Sunday night, the Crowder American Prodigal Tour. This Sunday at Carnegie Music Hall of Homestead. With special guest, The Young Escape. Crowder, live. Word FM welcomes the Crowder American Prodigal Tour. This Sunday, 8 p.m. at Carnegie Music Hall of Homestead. Tickets available at librarymusichall.com or by calling 877-4-FLY-TIX. The Crowder American Prodigal Tour in Pittsburgh. Learn more at druskyentertainment.com. Produced by Drusky Entertainment. Nobody knows your car the way you do. The way it handles and tracks with mutters, not all terrains. How it only sounds right with a custom exhaust and wouldn't ride the same without air suspension. Or how you had it painted pearl candy red, not just red. Because, yeah, there's a difference. We know your car isn't just a car. It's a 3,000-pound extension of you. When your passion meets our inventory, you can do anything. Thousands of parts make your car your car. And they're all right here at eBay Motors. Finding a Christian school that meets your students' needs and your high standards is simple. Visit pittsburghchristianschools.net and discover Greater Pittsburgh's best Christian schools, links to their websites, location information, and more. pittsburghchristianschools.net The economy is growing, businesses are hiring, and Americans are feeling good about their future opportunities. Looking to upgrade your career? Word FM hosts an online virtual job fair 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, every day of the year. Keyword virtual at wordfm.com now to find our newest employment opportunities from the comfort of your computer or smartphone. Sponsored by Express Employment Professionals of Robinson Township. The virtual job fair at wordfm.com. For more than several years, we've heard the phrase carbon footprint. People trading their carbon footprint and saving their carbon footprint. Hugh Ross is with us. Hugh's an astronomer, best-selling author, travels the globe speaking on the compatibility of advancing scientific discoveries with the timeless truths of Christianity from his organization, Reasons to Believe, here today to talk to us about carbon, the miracle element. Hugh, welcome back to the show. How are you, sir? Doing well, thank you. Very good. Always good to hear from you, Hugh. Okay, talk to us first off, what is carbon? Well, carbon is one of the elements in the periodic table. There are 94 that naturally occur, 92 which remain today. And why is carbon, in your mind, the miracle element? What does it do? It's a miracle we have any carbon in the universe at all. If you don't have the total mass of the universe exquisitely fine-tuned, for example, make the total mass of the universe very slightly smaller, the only elements in the periodic table will be hydrogen and helium. Make it ever so slightly greater, all the elements will be heavier than iron. In both cases, you'll be devoid of carbon, oxygen, and nitrogen, and life will be forever impossible. So it fits in perfectly with the unity and the harmony of the universe, you. So what is this, this carbon footprint that people are so concerned about? 
Well, a carbon footprint has to do with the fact that we're transforming Earth's carbon into carbon dioxide and methane, putting it in the atmosphere, and they're greenhouse gases, and so they trap heat. And so the concern is we're going to warm the planet uh, to such a great degree it's going to elevate the sea levels and uh, lose crop productivity. And uh, so, yeah, I wrote a blog about this making a point that paradoxically our pumping of carbon dioxide and methane in the atmosphere can bring on the next ice age. So you are saying then, Hugh, if I'm reading you right, that you feel like the vast quantities of carbon that we have moved into the atmosphere in the form of fossil fuels or farms, farm animals, whatever, you believe that that is a problem? It is a problem. I mean, uh, we're now at 408 parts uh, per million of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. And before the Industrial Revolution, we were down around uh, 270 parts. So it's gone up by more than 50%. And consequently, the uh, Arctic ice cap is disappearing. I mean, uh, in my blog article, I point out that just in the last 36 years, half of the Arctic ice cap has disappeared. And the problem there is you're now transforming ice into open water, open liquid water. And open liquid water absorbs more heat uh, than ice does. Ice reflects heat. And so that means you're going to get more water vapor over the Arctic regions, which will inevitably cause more snow to fall in Canada and Siberia, and snow reflects sunlight well, and that could bring about the next ice age. Okay, now most of the time I hear the reverse, that the concern is that the Earth will become too warm. Well, what's interesting about the ice age cycle that we've been in for the past 2.6 million years, every time the temperature has gone about 2 degrees centigrade above where we are right now, you, you get a rapid onset of an ice age. And there's, you know, the Arctic ice cap melting is not the only theory to explain how that comes about, but it's the most popular one. That, yeah, if you melt the polar ice cap, you're going to evaporate a lot more water. And right now, Canada is a desert. It only gets 10 inches of precipitation a year. Uh, but because it's cold enough and you've got all those lakes and rivers, it's a forest. Uh, but if you have more water vapor being uh, put into the atmosphere, you're probably going to double the snowfall. And doubling the snowfall, in spite of the warming temperatures, will bring on the next ice age. I see. So it's it's hard to refute the shrinking of the Arctic ice caps. I mean, in your blog, in your article, you can see clearly from the photographs from 1980 to 2016 the disappearance of those caps. So then what does that mean then, Hugh? Um, warming up or heating up, or I'm sorry, warming up or cooling down, there's this struggle in the scientific community to even come to terms with this, let alone to figure out a solution. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, coming up with a solution is difficult. We have to realize that the period that we've had for the past 9,000 years where the climate has been extremely stable, it's unique in Earth's history. You know, I wrote a book on this, Improbable Planet, saying we need to see this as a unique gift from God for this time period only. And, yeah, we should do what we can to stabilize the situation, but inevitably uh, the Ice Age cycle will continue. And so let's take advantage of the stability that we have, do we can to maintain the stability, but realize it's all for the purpose of making possible billions of human beings enjoying civilization to a degree where we can take the good news of salvation to all the people groups of the world 
in decades rather than in millions of years. Hmm. So whenever there's conversation about global warming or with what they call climate change uh, now, um, it's frustrating for me because it's seen in a – in what I think of as a narrow context. So we have changes that are happening in our atmosphere, but at the same time, we have things that are contributing to that. And some of the things that are contributing to that are the rises of, uh, is the rise of industry in countries on the globe who haven't, who didn't experience the rise of industry at the same time we did. And so, um, and so we're seeing people who are being lifted out of, out of, you know, centuries of poverty um and yet we're saying well you know this is horrible for our, for our planet and this should this should be done away with i mean how do we look at this in in a in a full understanding of the fact that we want the flourishing of the earth we also want the flourishing of human beings we don't want to see people live in poverty we want to see you know we we sit here from our perfect perch in western civilization recognizing what we've been able to achieve and gain and is it is it correct at this point in history for us to look at people in india or china and say well no you shouldn't have what we have well there are technological solutions that we can pursue i mean probably a bigger factor in, in melting the arctic ice cap is the soot from coal burning so it's not just the carbon dioxide it's the fact that you're putting dark material on the ice there and uh, one thing we've learned is that, for example, if you go to nuclear power, <clears throat> you actually release less radioactivity to the environment than you would with the burning of coal. Hmm. And yet for most of the world, coal is a source of electricity. What if we were to use nuclear power generation instead of coal? Uh, we would actually release less radioactivity in the environment, and you won't have the greenhouse gases, you won't have the soot. So that's an example of a technological fix that we already possess that could dramatically improve things. And if we go with breeder reactors or ultimately fusion reaction, I mean, that's what the, you know physicists are pursuing, is instead of using fission to get nuclear energy, how about using fusion? Uh, that potentially could be done without any radioactivity at all. Mm-hmm. So you all that. Uh, climate change and the melting of the caps and nuclear or fusion energy. Are you more optimistic or pessimistic that we'll be here in the next two to 500 years? Well, if you're talking 500 years, uh, you have to put me on the pessimistic side. If we're talking one or 200 years, I'm optimistic. I think we can sustain our climate stability uh, without too much of a stretch of technology uh, for another couple of uh, centuries. But if you're asking for 500 years, then we're going to need some serious technological fixes. And keep in mind that all this is in the backdrop of the Milankovitch cycles. I mean, the Earth, as it goes about the sun, its orbit varies slightly. I mean, what's been driving the Ice Age cycle is a 100,000-year periodicity in the shape of the orbit of the Earth as it goes about the sun. And so, you know, we need to take in the natural factors that are driving climate change as well as the human factors, and it's complicated. That's Dr. Hugh Ross, Reasons to Believe. Hugh, thank you so much for joining us again. It's been too long. Let's do it again soon. That sounds good. Hugh Ross. I mean, it's fascinating. It's a little scary. Uh, How do you look to the future and see what man has done or not and what God has done? But want to be here today. Most mattress ads are dominated by offers of long-term, interest-free financing, often for five years or more. Just how expensive is that mattress if it takes you five years to pay for it? 
retailers build the financing costs into the already inflated price of the product. This is Robin Trzinski. At the Original Mattress Factory, we don't offer long-term financing and don't inflate prices. Why? We believe in transparency and honest pricing. Get a great bed that you can actually afford. OriginalMattress.com Business is booming, and so is Christian Business Partners, where you'll find allies who share your values as you seek to serve God in and through your daily work. Now with seven chapters throughout the region, including new groups in Monroeville and Ambridge, Find weekly encouragement from 8.15 to 9.30 a.m. as you enjoy prayer and Bible study, fellowship, trade referrals, and make friends. Find your Christian business partners at cbp316.com. Right now, there's a girl in India who has dreams bigger than her village. Right now, there's an elder in Guatemala who dreams of a life of greater dignity and less loneliness. You can help change the future of one person in a single moment. Begin the change at unbound.org. Hey, welcome back. So, uh, Billy Graham, this evening it will be the end of the viewing in South Carolina. And then uh, by train, uh, Billy Graham will make his way to the Rotunda in Washington, D.C. until Thursday. And then back to South Carolina for a funeral on Friday. I was reading about Billy Graham. Uh, you know, there's so much. To, yeah, there is. Which I love. I mean, it's really fascinating stuff. But I did not know this. Uh, Billy Graham has been ranked among the top ten in the Gallup Poll's Most Admired Man poll 61 times. What? More than any other person since Gallup began the poll of Americans. 61? Yep. That can't be right. 1948. 60? They started oh, my the, gosh. So Gallup started the poll in 1948. That's more times than uh, anybody else has appeared. The closest to Billy Graham. So Billy Graham, 61 times. The closest has been uh, was Ronald Reagan with a distant second of 31 times. <laughs> So a difference of like 30 times. Yes. Now, the the deal is, of course, to be the most admired man, uh, Gallup insists that the person is alive. Okay. Right? So I admire you, so you have to be alive. Well, so, of course, good. Ronald Reagan's right. been gone for a long time. So, you know, you have to include those in the factors. All right? That's really amazing. It's true. 61 times most admired. The Gallup I poll. was, you know, I get I shouldn't be surprised, but the amount of misinformation and just all around bad manners that many on Twitter showed at the death of Billy Graham. What, that surprises just, you? No, I, I said I shouldn't really? be surprised, no. but it's just so shocking mm. and demoralizing. No, I mean, it's, what well, it goes, then it goes there back are, to the first conversation we had today. I know. There are haters about everything and everyone. There is. Because... No, who is content in Some this guy world? tweets. I, I told you this the other day, right? Some guy tweet. You know, and I try not to get into Twitter wars because, you know, nobody wins. Don't. But sometimes I just have to. Sometimes I have to. It goes nowhere. Sometimes I have it's to. It's a losing proposition. So this guy tweets out this uh, statement about how there's no way that we should be honoring Billy Graham by having his body in the rotunda in the Capitol because he was um, such an agitator in using nuclear weapons. Now, I thought to myself when I Billy read Graham. that. Billy Graham. I thought, He's a mad now, man. what Crazy Billy Graham person. got so much criticism for Good friends with Kim Jong-un. during the Cold War is that he was advocating disarmament. Mm. So I thought to myself, okay, I'm just going to weigh in, but I have to do a piece of work. Eh, disarmament, armament. So I, I mean, you know, <laughs> let's not quibble. All right. So I said to the guy, you know, I'm just asking because I don't know. Was there a portion of Billy Graham's life where he advocated uh, nuclear war? First of all, who's advocating nuclear war? Anyway, doesn't okay. matter. He sends me an article back on Twitter. 
And he says, well, yeah, just, you know, read this. It's clear. So I read the article. What the article says is that, yes, there was a period in the Nixon administration when Billy Graham was advocating the buildup of nuclear weapons. But if you read further in the same article, this is the same article the guy sent me. This is the same article. At the end of the article, it says, you know, at the end of interestingly enough, later in his life, Billy Graham became a staunch advocate for disarmament, saying that he was sorry that he had ever said what he said when no he doubt. was younger. See, that's and the then problem. He, he changed his mind. And I thought, this guy is so intent on tearing down Billy Graham. He's not even reading his own article. Yeah, but look, do you. That he sent to me for evidentiary purposes. Billy Graham learned his lesson. Good he did grief. not delve into right. politics later in life. And early on, he, he made he several miscues. It, right. He was. So, yeah. So I'm pro, you know, nuclear armament ramp up. Right. I don't think so. So right. That's just bad. That's just bad right, theology. Right. That's just, I, Is it not? Yes. And so yes. he evolved on the issue. People say, I, I, I've changed my mind on how many things and in my life. You get all upset for what reason, okay? Uh, it's all good in the end. Truly it is. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Word FM and Salem Communications.